Okay, let's try this here. You can hear me now. I have two different uh, settings for my microphones, 
and uh, one for home and one for here. And I was set for here. In fact, I opened up my home studio in my office and everything is different. And I didn't realize it until I had gone uh, live with you and all the settings are different. So uh, I'm trying to uh, kind of tweak the settings to get ready to be with all of you. So my apologies that uh, I wasn't quite quite ready for all of you here as we uh, were getting started this morning. But here we are. Uh, not perfect, but uh, it is uh, it is adequate for our purpose this morning, and uh, we're going to get into the study of the book of Luke, chapter 17, as we're jumping in. But I do say good morning to all of you that I didn't get to type good morning to, uh, and, and this morning, uh, rare, rarely do I do this uh, uh, via audio anymore, but to Don and Fran and Melody and Walter and Steve and Donna and Priscilla, Laura, uh, good morning. Jean, good morning to you. Stephanie, good morning to you as well. And uh, I'm going to as I'm talking, just make a few other little adjustments to try to improve our quality here just a little bit more while uh, while I, I get settled in. Uh, again, my apologies. Two different settings, uh, one for ho the home office and one for here, and they're just, in fact, I don't even recognize the same cameras and the same microphones, so a lot to this tech stuff, friends. There is a lot to figure out and a lot to do and a lot to handle. So, uh, but we're going to jump into it. Luke chapter 17. Uh, and here we go. Luke chapter 17. And uh, it says this. Uh, Jesus said to his disciples, Things that cause people to sin are bound to come, but woe to that person through whom they come. It would be better for him to be thrown into the sea with a millstone around his neck than for him to cause one of these little ones to sin. So watch yourself. If your brother sins, rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. If he sins against you seven times in a day, seven times and seven times comes back to you and says, I repent, forgive me. What should we do? Um. Jesus says this, we ought to forgive. That needs to be our, our, uh, our position, our protocol, our practice to offer forgiveness to those who sin against us. Um, and I'm trying to Control my screens here. There we go. A little bit better. Um, now, in verse 1, just the, the teaching. We should not be surprised by sin. We should not be surprised by evil, wicked things. There is nothing at all that surprises me at all on earth. Nothing. Um, <clears throat> things that people do. Uh and it's not because I've watched too much CSI or NCIS or any of those things. Not at all. It has everything to do with, with just simply experiencing humanity. 
has everything to do simply with experiencing self to certain measures uh, or to experiencing other people. You know, uh, I will have people come to my office and say, what I'm going to share with you is going to shock you. And in wisdom, I will sit there and go, okay, go ahead. And I'm thinking, there's nothing you're going to say that's going to shock me. I cheated on my wife. I'm not shocked. Um, You know, disappointed maybe in some instances. Yeah, I mean, to hear something like that. Uh, or to have somebody sit down with me and say, I'm a, I'm a closet, uh, homosexual, uh, male, female, um, doesn't surprise me. Uh, it doesn't surprise me to have someone sit down and say to me, just all kinds of things that get revealed to me. Now there are some things that do get revealed that, uh, that I have responsibility to report, um, and I will tell people sometimes when I begin counseling, if, if I think it might go the direction, I'll just go, just before you say anything to me, I want you to know that certain things that you say, I am bound by law to report to the authorities. So I've had a few people say, well, I'm, I'm going to stop right there then. Uh, now, that in and of itself maybe could be enough, uh, but they don't tell me what. So, um, But I just want you to understand. There's nothing that surprised me. Nothing should surprise you either. This verse, verse one, uh, the things that cause people to sin are bound to come. Um, but we should not be the person through whom they come. And that that is the warning, the woe to that person through whom they come. It would be better for him to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around his neck than for him to cause one of these little ones to sin. Now, little ones, speaking of uh, children, uh, I believe that Greek word is technon, so that those little children uh, would not, uh, that we would not cause a little child to to sin uh, in in that way. That's the thing that we have to be careful of. That's the thing uh, for which we must uh, be careful and uh, not not cause a little one, especially a child, an innocent child. You think of child and all of its innocence. You think of your grandson. You think of your granddaughter. Uh, you think of someone else's small child and, 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 and the, the, the sparkle in their eyes, the smile on their face, the innocence. And, and, and honestly, I, I hate to say this, but sometimes I wonder what will take their innocence. Uh, will, it, will it be a, a sibling? Will it be a neighbor? Uh, what will be the exposure that will come to that innocent little one that will cause their innocence to be lost? Now, when I say innocence, here's what I mean. Uh, I believe that all of us are born sinful. I believe that all of us um, have inherent sin because we're born in humanity. I I believe that. I I, I believe it's called a federalist view, the, the, the passing on of of the sinful state, and that's why it was necessary that Jesus uh, be born of the Virgin Mary, because uh, otherwise uh, he would be sinful if he had a human father and a human mother, biologically speaking. Uh, he would be born in sin, so that was why it was important for him to uh, to be born of the Virgin Mary. We're all born in sin, and yet when I say that, there is also an aspect uh, uh, of a, a, 
a childlike innocence or the innocence of a child that that we need to consider, that we need to contemplate, because there are, again, I've already, I've already talked about it, uh, to see some, some uh, darling uh, young girl in, in a darling dress and, and to see it, and I think of some in our church with the, the, the twinkle in their eyes, the smile on their face, and, and I, I just pray for them, Lord, uh, who will take away their innocence? And, and the warning in this passage is don't be that person who does that very thing. Don't be that person who causes a little one to sin. Just, just simply don't be that person. And it goes on, and, and, and the, the warning, the warning is huge in verse 2. It would be better for him to be thrown to the sea with a millstone tied around his neck than for him to cause one of these little ones to sin. Um, yes, the warning. Uh, it, it, you think of the starkness of the warning to be have a millstone tied around your neck? Now, in our day, you might think, what is a millstone? What is that? Well, you know, they, they used to grind out, in fact, they still do, but but not in this way, they used to grind out grain. There used to be one right here in Morrill, one or two, in fact, a, a grist mill, they would call it, with these big stones that would go around, and sometimes the force of water would cause it to go around, sometimes be the force of animal walking around in a circle with, with a grain bag in front of its face, uh, walking around a circle, uh, causing those stones to turn. And they were huge. They were they were at least a few tons. So something of that nature to be tied around your neck. You're not coming back up from the dregs, my friend. This is a stark, harsh, graphic warning from the Lord Jesus about not being one of those ones that causes the little one to sin. But then he goes on and says, so watch yourselves. Watch yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. Uh, certain measure, we are we are called to bring rebuke to one another. Now we live in uh, the uh, individualized West, where uh, you know we are independent folks. In fact, I would say independent cusses sometimes. What's the female for cusses? I I don't know, but but so independent, and nobody has the right to speak into my life. It's not your business. It's not your place. Are you a brother in Christ? Well, uh, if you even do a cursory reading of the New Testament, you find out, in fact, the Old Testament as well, you find out that, yes, we do have a responsibility at times to rebuke one another in our sins. And then it says, if he repents, forgive him. If he sins against you seven times a day and seven times comes back to you and says, I repent, what's our responsibility? Forgive him. Now, now forgiveness and trust are not the same thing. I, I grant you that. However, the mandate of Jesus here is seven times in a day forgive. Now, another place he'll say 70 times seven. In other words, you know, we need to have a willingness to continue to pour out forgiveness upon people who offend us. That is Christian responsibility. That is, in fact, that is that is mirroring what mirroring what Jesus does to us. How often does Christ forgive us in any given day? How often does does Christ forgive us uh, in, in, in any given week? I mean, there is 
so much forgiveness granted to us, uh, and, and we need to demonstrate, to express that same kind of forgiveness uh, to other people. That's just what the Lord expects. He expects us to, to do that, and we need to do that because he has done that for us. I, I just wonder for how many of you, so, for some, for whatever reason, maybe it's because you remember all of your sins, but but maybe for, for some, you, you find it uh, maybe easy isn't the right word, easier to forgive. Um, but um, others may say, I really have a difficult time forgiving. It's a hard thing. I, I, I just, I cannot forgive. Um, no matter what. And it doesn't matter the, the, the height or the length of whatever that issue is. You just say, I simply cannot forgive. I would encourage you to remember um, the work of Christ. I would encourage you to remember all the times he's forgiven you. Uh, and that you would continue to to follow along um, and be like Christ and forgive others. Now, I am seeing a message here. Okay, I'm on air. Uh, I'm not sure what happened here, but uh, I got a message saying that uh, I was frozen for a moment. Well, I'm inside now. The heat is on. I I should be good, but I'm going to keep going. Um, My apologies to anybody who has watched or who is watching, and we're having an issue. Everything here on my end looks copacetic, but uh, uh, things do happen. What about you? Where would you find yourself if, if we were to have a scale from zero, I will not forgive, to 10, uh, I find it easy, or it's not that hard for me to forgive others because I remember what I've been forgiven of myself. How many of you would, would, would give yourself a 10 uh, in that way? Or somewhere in between? Just Just to think about your score, maybe you can respond in the comments and say, well, I... Uh, I'm a zero, I just won't forgive, or I'm a two, I'm really having a tough time with this thing, or I'm a five sometimes, and of course, I know uh, there are lots of factors involved in uh, in forgiving or not forgiving, I, I get that, I understand that, Um. Depends on the circumstance, depends on the person, depends on what they did to you. And yet, Scripture seemed clear with what Jesus has said about forgiving someone else. Grab that cup of coffee for a second, if you would, and uh, let's let's take a little drink. I'm a little little hoarse this morning. that helps forgiveness 
Forgiveness isn't saying uh, what you did didn't hurt me. That, that isn't it. Uh, forgiveness isn't saying um, no harm, no foul. There, there was a harm, there was a foul, but I'm releasing you from it. Forgiveness uh, doesn't remove our scar. It doesn't remove our pain. Uh, but what it does do is it keeps that pain from becoming septic. Uh, it keeps that wound from becoming septic when we are willing to forgive other people. So I've seen so far in the comments here uh, one, uh, at least at least one uh, response. Uh, eight. Uh, somebody else saying seven. Uh, yeah, and and Walter saying this uh, to forgive is to set a prisoner free. Then realize that prisoner was you. Uh, Laura, absolutely, it helps prevent bitterness. When we are unwilling to forgive somebody else, uh, the bitterness, is that, that, that's what becomes septic in us is, uh, is the bitterness, and uh, it becomes harmful to us. Uh, and so when we forgive, uh, we remove from our own soul the bitterness. So good, good insights, good input there. Uh, absolutely. And let's continue into the next section of Scripture here. So there's forgiveness. To think about how much you've been forgiven, to think about how God wants you to forgive. Or maybe you're the person <clears throat> that needs to seek out someone else's forgiveness. I don't know. But uh, what I do know is uh, that forgiveness is a big deal with God. It's a big deal in that he's forgiven us. It's a big deal in that he is looking for, for us to forgive others. In fact, even to forgive ourselves. I, and you've, some, of, some of you have heard me say this before. Uh, when we're unwilling to forgive ourselves, yet the God of all heaven, uh, the, the God of all creation, the, the creator and sustainer of all things is willing to forgive us. The Savior who died upon the cross is willing to forgive us. Then who are we to not forgive ourselves? Just to think about that, we need to be willing to forgive ourselves. So forgiveness, first issue of, of the day that comes into the text here. Luke 17, verse 5, the apostles said, Lord, increase our faith. Now, the context of this, again, comes out of forgiveness. There is a, a relationship between uh, forgiveness and faith. It's a faith where we're trusting God in this forgiveness. We're trusting God to do a, a work of the soul when we forgive. So, so there is faith involved in the circumstance. We're trusting God to, to erase things. We're trusting God to use the hurt, to use the pain, to do something good in, in, in that other person's life as we extend to them forgiveness or to do something good in our lives uh, or to do something good for somebody else as we share our story with someone else and, and, and they're able to grow from it. So the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. Again, context, forgiveness, and faith going together. And Jesus replied this. He said, if you have the faith as small as the mustards, as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will... Obey you. 
That's a rather strong statement. Uh, in fact, let me bring that up in the message paraphrase. Uh, verse 5 says, The message came up and said, Master, give us more faith. But the master said, You don't need more faith. There is no more or less in faith. If you have a bare kernel of faith, say the size of a poppy seed, quite small, you could say to the sycamore tree, go jump in a lake, and it would do it. Uh, there's there's so much that we can talk about uh, in this section uh, about the workings of faith and what it does. And, you know, some would take these few verses and say, well, it says it right here. We ought to be able to name it. We ought to be able to claim it. Jesus seems to indicate that here. So why doesn't it work for me? Why can't I pray and and see that immediate answer? Because God has his ways of working. And yet, I do believe the more that we align our lives with God, the more we align our lives with Christ, the more we're about the works of the kingdom, uh, the, the more we'll see the answers to our prayers. Sometimes we don't see those answers because our lives aren't aligned. There are people who say, well, I want to live my life my way, yet be able to ask God for whatever I want and think he's going to give it to me. No, God will give you as you are in alignment with his will. Yet um, the reality is Jesus said you don't need more faith. Uh, you you just you you need this little bit of faith. Uh, going back into the New Living Translation, if you had the faith as small as a mustard seed, I, I've seen quotations that say this: "I have a mustard seed, and I'm not afraid to use it." Ever seen that quote? I have a mustard seed, and I'm not afraid to use it. Mustard seed meaning I've got a little bit of faith, and I'm not afraid to use it. Friends, here's a question. I mean, how much are we leaning into our faith? How much are we leaning into uh, God's work in our lives? Um, how, how much are we praying and asking God for things? Which just prompts me to think about some of the things I need to be asking God for. And uh, so, but faith, there's forgiveness, there's faith. And, and I want to just cover one more little section here. Uh, in in this uh, in this broadcast today, we continue down through. When a servant comes in from plowing or taking care of sheep, does his master say, "Come in and eat with me"? No, he says, "Prepare my meal, put on your apron, and serve me while I eat. Then you can eat later." And does the master thank the servant for doing what he was told to do? Of course not. Uh, in the same way, when you obey me, you should say we are unworthy servants who have simply done our duty. And sometimes I think what happens is we we do some some act for God, and you know we're we're looking for a pat on the back from God, and God is so pleased when 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 to understand this properly, we're simply doing what our duty is. We're we're simply discharging our duty, and uh, uh, now there. There could be more significant things that we could do, more significant actions that we could take um, that might go beyond our duty uh, in, in some sense. But a lot of times as Christians, we, we, we live, I did my devotions, what a good Christian. No, that's, that's just being, that's the Christian life. Uh, I, 
I prayed today. I'm a good Christian. Well, no, that's just the Christian life. I worship God this week uh, on Sunday. Did my duty. Well, no, that's just the Christian life. Uh, to to uh, maybe give away all that you, uh, you know, sell all you have and give it away to the poor. I mean, that might be on your duty. Might be beyond your duty. Um, for me, uh, to go to uh, South Sudan, Uganda, uh, to visit refugee camps, pastors at refugee camps, I do not consider that beyond my duty. I consider that my duty. Uh, it's something that I must do. It is something that is uh, implanted in me to do uh, by the Lord, and um, it's just simply something that that I must do, doing my duty. Uh some would say, well, that's quite a sacrifice. It's quite a, you know, what about the risk? What about, I'm doing my duty. I'm doing what I've been told to do. I, I shouldn't expect an extra reward for simply doing my duty. And, and that's exactly what Jesus is, is trying to point to in uh, in this uh, parable uh, about the unworthy servants. He's, he's getting to their humility. Uh, he's getting to to for them to understand that they're just doing what they're supposed to do. Uh, and I'm not saying don't feel good about having your devotions. I'm not saying don't feel good that you prayed. You should. I'm not saying don't feel good about, you know, doing some act of service. You should feel good. But remember, when we when we do the act of service that's in line with the gift or the giftings, the abilities that God has already given us, we are simply discharging our duty. And just to remember that and to give God thanks for the opportunity to serve him in that way. Lord, I pray that you will uh, increase our faith. Lord, I pray that you will help us with forgiveness. Lord, I pray you help us all to wrestle with what our what are our duties and that you would help us to discharge those duties that we might glorify Christ. Help us this day, Lord, to serve you well, to forgive, to have faith, to be humble. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great day, everyone. I will see you tomorrow.